Welcome to the Unexpected Leader Podcast. You know, in the past, God chose to call fishermen and tax collectors to join him on his mission. Today, he still calls the broken. They may be sons and daughters of mechanics or of business women and men. You may be one of them in a position of lay or vocational leadership in a church or a mission agency, maybe an educational institution or denominational leadership. But if you, like me, find yourself unexpectedly in leadership, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for taking the time to listen in. Hey everyone, my name is Ron Scott and I am the Communications Specialist at the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada. I've had the honor of being the technical engineer and also in the room for almost all of the interviews that we recorded from August until October of this year, which all came to be season one of the Unexpected Leader podcast. Garth, Lois, and myself have sought to humbly share the stories of our CBAC leaders as a formative resource for those in vocational ministry, those in lay leadership, or even those who are considering whether God may be calling them into leadership. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Garth and Lois, our co-hosts, to reflect on the stories and insights that some of our leaders have shared with us. We're hopeful that God is using this podcast to continue to shape us into followers of Jesus who are healthier, more aware of his presence in our lives, and more equipped to participate in what we're all called to, the Great Commission. And this is part of a a wider posture that the CBAC is hoping to build on. We're stronger and better when we can share our stories together. Again, not trying to hand out a bunch of cookie-cutter solutions, not trying to hand out a set of platitudes that can be applied and guarantee success in any or every church situation. We know that ministry in our Atlantic Canadian context is complex and our communities are very diverse, but we know that it is so good and it's very formative when we can hear these impactful stories from leaders who have said yes to the call of God, some of them reluctantly and uh, some of them with a very long and winding journey. It is really good to be able to share these. So, Garth and Lois, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us, Ron. Yeah, it's great to be here. So, what were some memorable moments for you this season? Yeah, some memorable moments. I, f- for me, I'll go right back to maybe uh, our second session, which was with Rob Nyland. And just as we kicked off the whole event, thinking about interviewing pastors and getting a sense of what God had invited them to, to hear Rob's story... Uh, and, and there was one moment that other people have referenced back to me and this kind of rises to kind of memorable was, uh, I'd asked Rob the question, at what point in time did he feel as if, you know, he had come into leadership or if he had fit leadership and his response was, I'm still waiting for that to happen. And I think that epitomizes for me, a lot of the conversation that we've had over the fall and was just that sense of God's invitation to be in leadership we never necessarily feel as if we've arrived or, or we're qualified, uh, but that we're still waiting for God to use us and that in the midst of that waiting, uh, there's purpose for it. So that, that I think for me kind of stands as one of those highlights. Lois, what was significant for you? 
Yeah, I think my mind just immediately goes, I guess, to the the uh, session we had with Phil in PEI. Maybe just because I'd never had imagined this approach to preparing uh, sermons, but the process that he and his brother go through and, and then he and the team in PEI go through in constructing sermon series and then individual sermons, the, the practice, the research, and and then I think because my sort of my pushback might have been, you know, but what about if something significant happens that that doesn't seem to fit your schedule? And he had he had alluded to that. He said, you know, that they I think he had had three funerals in one week and the message that he had already prepared and would never have been able to prepare in the context of that kind of a week was, you know, just spot on to uh, what was needed. So I think that uh, just has helped me to think even a little differently about my own consumption of sermons um, as a person in the pew and thinking about the the point of the message and the work that goes into preparing. And, and really it is, a, I think at its best, it's God's opportunity to communicate with us through the pastor every week. And so thinking, oh yeah, how well am I prepared for that? How well am I coming into that setting? So yeah, that was a real significant moment for me. Uh, and thanks to Phil for that. So Lois, kind of playing off of that, we knew that going into some of these interviews, uh, we had a pretty good idea about the stories that some of these people um, had coming in. And we had a few ideas about what we wanted to ask them about. But there were some things that sort of came out uh, that were sort of interesting or um, maybe a little surprising for us. What would be an example of something like that? One of the areas that has kind of impressed me is the variety of leadership models that have been kind of presented or, or talked about. Uh, from, you know, very structured approaches to leadership and team. I think in every case, um, there is a team element, which I'm, I'm not surprised at that. Uh, I think it's probably uh, healthiest when, when people are in leadership and feel a sense of being part of a team. But how those teams are managed, if I could use that word, um, there's a lot of variety. Maybe I was a little bit surprised about how much variety there is in that. Um, maybe I was expecting a, a more, a, a bit of a more cookie cutter type of response to those kinds of questions. Yeah, I think there's some surprising things that come out when you look at the wide variety of stories and, and the different contexts that we have. You know, so we have Rob in St. John, we have Phil in Charlottetown. St. John and Charlottetown are very different cities. Or you have Anna in Wolfville, a very, very different context than those other two, uh, or Gordon in Moncton. So it is, it would make sense that that there are no cookie cutter solutions or structures that would apply well to all of those contexts with all those different personalities. Garth, what was surprising for you? One of the surprising things might be Anna's response. The fact that sitting as, as a dean of a seminary on a secular college, you could take a position where you could look at that and say, oh, how terrible everything is and how far away culture is moving from God. And let's gather in our foxhole and let's hold one another tight and, and sing the songs of the ages, so to speak. But her response really in kind of engaging and understanding culture is to say, but look at the opportunities that are here. Look at the opportunities for us as a seminary in a secular university context. We have all kinds of opportunities to speak into it and to talk about it and engage with it. The other thing that I would say was surprising that never made it to the out of the edits was Carolyn singing during her session with us. <laughs> and uh, that didn't make it. That got dropped on the editing floor. But that was rather surprising for her, and it's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded good to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I have reflected on Anna's response to that question about what it's like to be the president of a seminary that's located on the campus of a secular university in the year 2019. And if there was anyone who might have had some sort of a, of a right to talk about pressures of a secular society, to talk about a fairly dim outlook on ministry, it might be her. And yet she seemed to be yeah. one of the most optimistic people that we've talked with. I get a lot of hope from that. I find that really encouraging that there is a way forward. And she liked to use the word winsome, that the gospel is winsome and Mm. and Jesus is winsome. And that describes it to a T, compelling. Jesus is compelling. The gospel is compelling. And it will thrive uh, in this society that we're in. I just find that really encouraging. and, And I thought it was great that that was pointed out. I don't know if you remember her response to the question, what conversations are you having? And she started her answer with, well, the conversations that we should be having, but we're not, Mm -hmm. are around how do you present Jesus well to culture? And I think that goes back to her desire for us to, to be winsome and compelling in our presentation of how the gospel has changed us, affected us, and impacted us, which was a real treat to hear her say those things as opposed to, oh, we've just got to double down on what we've always done and just hold on for the rough ride that we're going through. It's like, no, 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 no. we've got a role and a mission here and as to engage culture and, yeah. and do it in such a way that it is that compelling representation of Jesus that people see. I'm so thankful um, that, as you say, Anna could have a different perspective just because of the, you know, where, where ADC is located, but I'm so glad she doesn't. I'm so glad that she has that kind of a, a vision for the effectiveness of the gospel as we learn how to communicate it effectively to a culture that really does need to hear uh, the gospel. So thinking about in the course of our interviews, that particular question that we asked is, what conversations do you find yourself having more often these days? Sort of letting our interviewees answer that however way that they wanted, as we've just talked about. Um, What else in those answers has been significant to you both? Yeah, I think two that stand out for me. One was Phil's response when we asked that question, and he tied it to identity and how so many individuals that he has conversations with, they're struggling with issues centered around identity. And and I think he summed it up really by kind of saying, instead of seeking their identity in Christ, that they're looking for all different areas to identify themselves, whether it's as parent or through their job career or through their financial standing, that there are many ways that we can see ourselves or identify ourselves or or draw our being from. And and he would just say that more often than not, people have drawn it from something other than what it should be and, and, and that it should be in Jesus. And then I I think, too, tied to that in in a way was Rob's response in that. And Rob had identified, I think, two things that I can recall. And and one was that they have lots of conversations around mental health and how that comes out in such a variety of ways, but really indicates someone struggling to have that balance in their life. And he then went on to talk about how busyness has become such a primary topic in conversations with those uh, in his context where he even used, I think it's a Dallas Willard quote that we had talked about even earlier as we were kind of of thinking through some of this, was that a lack of clarity of where true life comes from and, you know, that people are, are having a lack of that clarity of what is the essence of their life and their purpose. And so they fill their life with so many things and they kind of live at a frantic pace 
And he was just saying that it's so easy to get into that. And I think so often our pastors think it's about, you know, or we're told that or we think it's about a, preaching a good message of, of presenting the cross or the resurrection or, or sanctification or forgiveness. And, and at a very basic base level, until we come to grips with who we are before God, it's really hard to grow in the knowledge and the hope of Jesus. Uh, and so I think those are such critical pieces to understand in the journey. Those are the ones that I, I would have highlighted as well. And I'm thinking in, in some ways, I think I was surprised by some of the answers to that question. I think I might have, and, and this perhaps is a bit you know, a reflection of where, where I see the conversations that I'm involved in kind of expected someone to talk about um, sexual orientation or gender identity or some of those kind of hot topics in our culture. And I think in a way I'm impressed that they didn't go down that path, that they, in every case, I think got deeper than those questions. And the whole identity issue, I think, is huge and, and busyness. I think those are those are pressure points uh, for people these days. And I think in that, too, there's something instructive for us as we think about leadership in this day and age. You know, as I think of the challenges of being a pastor uh, in our convention churches, you know, it's not, it isn't an easy position to be in. And I think there are lots of pressures on um, that could distract us from some foundational topics that we need to be looking at and, and the identity issue and and knowing our identity in Christ, I think, is is foundational. I think overall, I was just impressed with the, the level of response to that question. And, you know, for the most part, this was off the top of their heads. They, you know, they just responded as we asked the question. And it would have been so easy to just highlight, you know, like some current trouble that's going on in the church as 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 being the answer. Yeah. And I think for me, like, even as I'm reflecting on it even more here, and I don't know how well this came out in our interview with Phil, but Phil talked about how he loved to get up inside someone's head mm -hmm. on that argument of who they identified themselves to be and trying to help break that down for them to see that that's not really who they are. And I just thought, oh, how creative in even trying to put yourself in that position. And, and certainly it's something that he's passionate about and maybe gifted in. But I thought, oh, such, a, such an important piece to help people get clarity on their identity. Going back to the time topic about busyness in our culture. Amongst those in my generation, we have been characterized as the ones who deal with burnout the most, the ones who deal with uh, a low-grade anxiety uh, at all times, which I actually think kind of applies to all generations, not just my own, the millennials, but it, it just feels like it's the air that, that we breathe right now. So I it, I really resonate. I deeply resonate. Even having come through situations recently where I felt that I was, I was overly busy and it felt like it was draining the tank mm -hmm. and it wasn't filling the tank. And it's interesting that amongst followers of Jesus or, or otherwise, it's interesting how in everyday conversation, you might walk up to someone and say, hey, how are you doing? And often the answer is, I'm good, I'm busy. And those two actually are synonyms for each other in the language that we use. If, if you are busy, then you are good. That's what we seem to think. So if you were to walk up to someone and say, how is it going? And they were to say, I'm not doing that great. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. You might think, well, that's a very strange answer. And I think that right there kind of captures this idea of, of this pace of life that we're in. And 
uh, within the church, I think our leaders are rightfully realizing, sometimes painfully realizing the realities of that, that it's not sustainable. And if we continue to swim in that water, we're going to lack longevity. That's an interesting thing to have to navigate uh, from our denominational perspective, as all three of us have been in the past or are currently working for the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada. And we look out on this landscape and we see churches that are facing these things. That's important for us to realize. Well, it makes me think of something that uh, Carolyn talked about, you know, on her journey as a leader, you know, teaming up with the Lead Fresh initiative and the resilience journey. And I think her quote was that you can't afford not to do this, right? That that investing in your emotional, mental, spiritual health is such a critical piece for our leaders today to lead and, and to also represent or give another example um, and I think it's not just in a millennial generation, you know, I have, I have kids who are Gen Z or Zed. I live on the border, so I'll say <laughs> it both ways so I don't get, you know, shot by either okay. side. But I think even Heather and I will often talk about one of her dad's favorite phrases is, well, there's nothing wrong with someone that a good day's work won't fix them. And, and there is that mentality of if you're busy, you're good. And I think we need to break that stereotype. And I think what Carolyn had talked about is in seeing that change in her own life and her own leadership paradigm of investing in, in those practices, that that was making not only a difference in her life, but I think also in the life of those in her congregation and the representation of the gospel that they have in the St. John's, Newfoundland. I think that's great. I think that also connects in with uh, Gordon McLeod's answer to the question that we like to ask at the end of our interviews, which was, what advice would you give your younger self if you had the opportunity? And Gordon's answer was, get alone. Go and be alone. He has a place that mm. many people in his life know that he goes to when he needs solitude and he needs to, to be alone and hear the voice of God. And the idea that you have to retreat on a regular basis in order to recalibrate and actually quiet that noise, I think that's so significant. And I think that's really important for us to try to reflect on. Yeah, I think I was going to say, too, that maybe it isn't so much about how busy we are, but how well we have that kind of balance between the busyness and the alone time or the downtime. Mm-hmm. You know, they always say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. It isn't maybe so much about working hard, but working smarter. You know, like I think people who master this get are very effective. They get a lot done. But again, these days, you know, lots of people I talk to, you know, they're just not sleeping well. And, you know, things crumble really fast. If you're not eating well or not sleeping well or not getting some fresh air and some exercise, when we function well, I think those things are all kind of in place and then and we are more effective. I, I know I've gone through seasons where I thought, okay, I'm not going to say the words. I'm so busy. I'm just not going to say those words. And it's almost impossible to avoid it. And it's true. Like it, sometimes I say, well, it, even if you don't say it doesn't mean it's not true. And so I think it is finding that balance between the things that you really, you should be doing because, you know, God is giving you an opportunity to do them. Not everything we can do is something we should do. Not everything we can do is something we're called to do. And when you go to the rocks, like Gord says, um, that gives you a chance to gain some perspective to hear from God about what's, what is the most critical things to be doing. The emotional challenges of working in, you know, some pretty high pressure situations where, you know, personalities may clash, agendas may clash. Um, the capacity we have to process that without crumbling um, is really important. If you go into 
meetings or ministry situations and you're only half there because half of you is is kind of nursing a wound, then that's that's also problematic. That resonates Gord's final line around going to the rocks. And he had that place in Alma that he spoke very passionately about. But that also echoed early on in his interview when he talked about he had to come to a point where he had to make a decision of where did he give his best to the kingdom work. And there were spaces that he had been invited into where he just kind of said, this isn't my gift setting. This is actually incredibly more frustrating and taking life away uh, from what I could be doing, which I know I'm gifted at, which I want to be able to contribute to, to the greater kingdom. So, yeah, I thought that was a a great response. And, you, you know, and I'm not someone typically who, if I say I'm busy, I often say it with a sense of shame that that busyness for me is not a good thing. Like I'm an introvert. Uh, I need to be by myself to, to recharge and gain energy. And so if I'm busy and someone says, well, you know, have you been on the road a lot? And I say, yeah, it's like I'm deflated and just go like, oh, yeah. but I think that, you know, going to the rock to be renewed and re- rejuvenated. And- Thinking in metaphors, as I do. So um, electric cars, you know, you can do a rapid charge. I'm sure this is true for our cell phones and everything, but you can do a rapid charge, which is going to get you by, but it's not the deep charge. And having those opportunities for deep charging, I think is really, really critical. Yeah. And establishing rhythms of that. And if, uh, if you're listening to this podcast uh, and you're feeling these symptoms of maybe edges of, of burnout or anxiety or stress, I would just encourage you, um, Sherilyn Beals, who's the director of clergy formation and wellness for the CBAC, has said that the best time to reach out to her about perhaps going on retreat or um, getting connected with a spiritual director is sooner than later. Mm. So I think that's just a significant thing that um, uh, doing, um, taking action to uh, go to the rocks if that's what is ne- what's mm-hmm, needed, mm-hmm. or silencing our phones, or building more margin into our lives. That needs to be more of a preventative thing. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you feel like you're, uh, you have a good groove going, I would say um, you can improve your longevity for the kingdom and have the kingdom in mind if you can build that into your life. And that will serve you well for decades if you can prioritize that over the urgency of working 50 or 60 or 70 hours this week. Uh, If you can build that margin in, that will be very helpful. If we can just think about the question that uh, we asked again at the end of our interviews, which was, what, would, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, what other responses were significant to you guys? Um, maybe Lois, you could weigh on them. Thank this. you. I was going to try to beat Garth to this one anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking about Rob's response about just surrounding himself with good people. Yeah. And, and I think just generally, everyone at some point talked about the significance of people just kind of building into them, opening doors for them. And I, I, I really appreciated that. And I think, again, people that are trying to do this ministry alone, that's a tough way to go at it. And everyone's in a different situation. You might have to work harder to find a support group. And, and I'm using that as a generic term, just people that are going to be supportive in your life and not supportive in the sense of being cheerleaders, but being honest with you, uh, holding you accountable, a sounding board. You know, I think I think it was Rob that said that his advice to his younger self would be to, you know, just 
to surround himself with good people, not necessarily the smartest people or the most successful people or the, you know, the people in obvious positions of leadership, but just good people. And I think that's that's great advice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, lo- looking at the character piece as opposed to maybe what others would see and, and uh, yeah. You know, when I think about some of those nuggets at the end of the podcast, um, I'm going to mention a couple of them, but but one was Anna said, I am who I am because of who I was at 16. And she said, who knows himself at 16? But she then went on to say that one of the important things for her was the foundation that her church had laid. And she really spoke loving and glowingly about her home church that had grounded her in scripture. So that as she was developing, uh, when she went away from high school into university at 16, thinking she wanted to be, you know, a journalist, and then kind of moving out of that into international studies, then working with the Red Cross and so on and so forth. And she said through that season, the grounding that she had been given in scripture from her home church was so important uh, in that. And so I take away from that, that to the younger selves, um, for people who are on that journey, who are thinking it through, you know, ground yourself in scripture, let scripture kind of shape and guide and direct you so that when you're in the midst of that journey, you know, when the spirit's speaking to you and you know, when you're within scripture. And then I think the other one that I really appreciated was a real moment of vulnerability with Phil, uh, where Phil was saying, I wish I hadn't poured as much energy into leadership conferences and leadership uh, strategy or leadership models. And it just sounded like someone who had finally discovered themselves as a leader who had been trying to fit themselves in different molds or, or modes throughout their early journey as a young leader. And then to hear them, to hear him say, yeah, I just wish I hadn't wasted so much time and energy on that to kind of get to where he's at today. And so, so I just think that there's some lessons in there to allow God to shape us with who we are and our gifts and where the, God has placed us, as opposed to trying to look and kind of just immediately adopt and model something that is working for someone else. That's great. Yeah, I think it was Phil that said, you know, he'd come back from a leadership conference and his team would say, well, what happened to Phil? Well, like, where is he? And and I think, yeah. again, having confidence, not so much, you know, in yourself and your own, you know, capacity to understand situations, but more having confidence in God that he has shaped you and, and can use you the way you are. And which isn't to say we can't learn principles and practices, but I think being able to take what has been successful for other people and adapt it and contextualize it for our own situation is, is really critical. And I even think with that is what Carolyn had said about embracing your limits, like early on trying Mm -hmm. to know what your limits are. And, and trying to find what those boundaries are. And that ties into a lot of the conversation that we've just had. And so I think that was important as well. Tied in with that as well is having um, humility and just like being okay with our own limits, I guess, as you said. But that piece around humility is really critical. Absolutely. So we want to thank you, the listeners who have been along for the ride with us. And we want to just look ahead to season two of the Unexpected Leader podcast. We are already anticipating uh, an exciting second season of interviews. And I wonder, Garth, if you could give us a little bit of a sneak peek into what season two of this podcast is going to be about. Yeah, Ron, I'm really excited about what we're going to do with season two. You know, season one was setting the stage that, you know, the leaders that we see around us, that God's drawn them from all kinds of different journeys and unexpectedly they found themselves being invited by God and they're seasoned individuals. Um, they all have seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, well, and for some forty years of ministry behind them. And we wanted to switch it up radically 
And we wanted to move towards those just entering and responding to God's call in their life. And so over season two, we're going to delve into some of the stories of our young leaders. Uh, some of them are in seminary. Some of them are pastoring while doing studies. Some of them are uh, youth pastors. Some of them are solo pastors. Others are site pastors and, and, and a mixture of what God has called them to and is challenging them with. We're going to hear from them as they wrestle with them in real time, as they kind of try to understand what it is that God's doing and inviting them to. So I'm excited to hear the young leader story where God has invited them from and what he's invited them to. Yeah, it's really exciting as someone from the millennial generation. And uh, really, we have such amazing leaders from the younger generations uh, in the CBAC family of churches and ministries right now. And their stories are impactful and they're very important for us to hear. We're really excited for this. This is going to be in the winter of 2020. When we first start releasing these episodes, you'll be able to hear them every two weeks as usual. Yeah, Ron, I mean, if our plan in starting this was to tell our stories to inspire people, some of the stories that we're going to tell in season two are just phenomenal in, in what God's doing amongst the young leaders of the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada. So I, I can't wait. Yeah, just as a bonus question, I would want to field to both of you. Um, what do you think uh, it would be important for someone who would be a younger leader uh, or who's a younger person considering a call into vocational ministry leadership uh, what's an important thing to consider or to be thinking about as you are thinking about this journey ahead of you? Maybe Lois, we'll start with you. I would say just the anticipation that you have when you're about to embark on a really exciting journey. If you have confidence that you have been called to this, then embrace that and look forward to how it unfolds. Ministry is so much about relationship, the individual's relationship with God, and through that, the relationship to and with the church, community-based dynamic. And because it's community-based, because it's based in relationship and walking with people through their hurts and their wounds and their victories, it's an incredibly exciting, powerful thing. But at the same time, it's also hard. It's difficult. People are tough. We often joke that when we get called into conflict situations, it's not because of theology. It's because of relationship. And I don't say that to be uh, discouraging to people. But if you don't believe that God's invitation for you into pastoral ministry involves loving the church where it is at in its brokenness and its beauty at the same time, then think twice. But if it's a part of that call is to walk alongside the broken and the beauty of transformation, then there will be nothing more exciting for you that you could ever do. Thanks for joining us as we have journeyed through season one of the Unexpected Leader podcast from the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada. We're a family of over 450 churches and organizations joined together with the mission of joining God in our neighborhoods. As we said, season two of the Unexpected Leader podcast will be coming out in the winter of 2020, and we're really excited for those conversations. In the meantime, we'd like to encourage you to share this podcast with others, and you can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at instagram.com slash unexpectedleader. 